the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Hiles and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. This is the show that's getting ready for some serious transfer activity in the final few days of the January window. And we've got the biscuits to prove it. On the buff this week, strikers, strikers, strikers. Will we get a new front man for Charlton? Catchergate, mistaken identities, and a load of unnecessary abuse. How far away are they? Are Derby really that good? And Shola me the money. A United player who might just win the fans over. But before we start the show, a reminder that the Bolton News is offering a special January flash sale, which means you can read unlimited articles for the price of just £2 for two months. Don't click on another wondrous story and be told you can't read it. Get them all. Absorb every single word, every opinion, every video, every headline on your football club. January deadline as well. There's going to be loads and loads of stuff. So go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe and try it out. Another date for your diary. The Bolt Wanderers Supporters Trust will hold its annual AGM at 7 o'clock on February the 2nd, 2023, of course, at the Platinum Suite. Ian Evans and Neil Hart will be in attendance and they'll be doing a Q&A afterwards as well after all the official business has been concluded. It's members only and it'll also be streamed online for members. So if you can't attend, you can still watch it, but you must join up at www.bwfcst.co.uk. Right, it's time to introduce the co-host of this podcast and a man who covers as many miles for the buff as Kyle Dempsey does for Wanderers. It's Henry Hewitt. And that's a lot of miles, I tell you. I, I, I was exhausted for him leaving the ground on Tuesday. Poor Sod couldn't even do his buttons up on his shirt. He's, he's sat there looking like Rabsy Nesbitt. <laughs> well, he's a, he's a very attractive man, so I'm sure there'll be a lot of takers to help him do his buttons up. And yeah. down, actually. Well, that's a bit of an X-rated start to the show, Henry. <laughs> you blinked two-footed into that one, aren't you? Good grief. <laughs> We've got to have some controversy on this podcast. I can't think of anything else we're going to discuss. <laughs> no, there's no more controversy this week at all. Um, I let, Well, we've got to start with it, haven't we? Because I think the stadium opened with a controversial decision from uh, a, a referee slash a linesman all those years ago, 25 years ago, twenty nearly 26 years ago. Um, and all this time later, I think we've actually finally found a, a decision that's weirder than that one. Um, what you were watching, what did you make of it at the time? Well, I was in the North Stand Lower and uh, I've got to say, I thought he'd given offside. Um, because the the game stopped. I think it was, I don't know, Jones played out to Bradley or something. Uh, and at the time, looking at it, I, I thought, I said to my dad, I said, oh, what, what's he offside from that for? You know, like, how do you manage to be offside from there? Uh, and then he obviously goes over, speaks to the linesman, and uh, yeah, no one had seen anything. In fact, all we had was uh, five minutes later when somebody's gone on Twitter on the phone, seeing the video that's been put up, and then their phone gets passed along the row as people are watching <laughs> watching this incident but yeah I could tell obviously straight away it, it seemed like an off the ball incident Charles was not happy at one point he was stood on the edge of the pitch he wasn't wanting to go down the tunnel was he and I think I don't know whether they were like if ever had gone it wasn't you and then he's thinking well they might get overturned but um, you know as, as you said in your, your report after, he couldn't the, the fourth official couldn't look at the video so unfortunately for Dion he was uh, he had to go it was mad, absolutely mad. I mean, for anybody that's been living under a rock, the ball is played out to the right-hand side, just about to kind of swing it in. The referee stops play, um, and Kachunga has clearly punched Brandon Cooper, who was marking him in the stomach. Now, Cooper had been all over him. He was pulling his shirt, he was pushing his pulling. Um, immediately what happened was that Kachunga kind of ran over towards the ref, who jogged with comedic slowness over to the... Uh, to the linesman 
um, and, and Kachunga seemed to be trying to get his attention to say, I've been, I've been hit, and he was pointing to his lip at one stage. Then Kachunga sat there with his hands cupped over his ears at one stage. I, I don't know, you know when you try and hear something a little bit better and you kind of cock your, yeah. cock your hand to your ear? I don't know whether that works or not, but he, he had it with both, uh, both uh, ears at one stage. Dion was just ambling around, obviously oblivious to anything that was going on, which is pretty much the way he goes about things anyway. Um, yeah. And then all of a sudden he brings over Dion, right, you're off. And, and the look on his face was just like, you say, what? What? What's yeah. going on? Everts is obviously trying to say, you've got the wrong guy. The whole, the staff, the whole crowd, I mean, he even lofted the lion chipped in at one stage. <laughs> Um, but the, as you rightly say there, the, the fourth official can't look at a replay, apparently. I didn't know that at the time, but he can't, he's not even allowed to look at a replay. I just think, I mean, it, it, it may not be in the rules there, but if if there are, how many, say 5,000 people behind you, even in just that main stand, all telling you that you've got the wrong man, then you've got the manager, you've probably even got Forrest Green stuff telling you you've got the wrong man. Is it not worth just having a little quick check on the computer that's sat there in the, in the dugout, even if it isn't in the rules? I mean, just it, it would be easier just to reverse that and just to get it right at the time, rather than having to spoil the game, which is what it did, it spoiled it. Kachunga couldn't play after that. You know, the, the game was was off. Obviously, there was there was going to be a sending off. It was going to be eleven versus ten. But just the mood after that, the referee lost the plots. He knew something bad had happened. Yeah, it seems silly. Yeah, and I think for for Bolton as well. Like I know people joke about, oh, we'd we'd rather have had Kachunga sent off. But I think the way that the game went, we had no focal point up front. No. So this is the thing because I was I was thinking, well, surely you know, Forest Green at bottom of the league, surely. You know, when you play ten v eleven, you can still have most. You know, we can still play our normal game. Really, you're just down to ten minutes, and it's a striker. But say Bod Varson had been up front, we would have we would have done that because we would have had uh, someone to kick the ball up to, to hold it up, to bring others into play, and it would have been fine, I think. Whereas suddenly you've stuck with Kachunga and uh, Shortire, who aren't those players. So it is, we it is. Uh, you know, 10 men behind the ball. So it really did affect it. Um, you know, and I've got to say as well, my naivety, uh, you know, after that uh, Dion Charles goal, I think I sat down and said to my dad, I went, oh, well, we can relax now. Because my main concern was, well, without, you know, we've only Dion Charles really up front. If we don't score early on, we're going to be struggling later in the game. It could be, you know, nil-nil or nil-one. And he just looked and went, I've been a Bolton fan long enough to know that something's going to happen. And it, it obviously did. But, uh, yeah, I think it, um, it, it did it killed the game. Because, you you know, 1-0 against the bottom of the league. They, I thought they were better than bottom of the league. I've got to say, I thought they did all right. They didn't create much. But um, you would then think, well, we can get two or three and maybe four and, and really get our goal difference up. And then suddenly, you yeah, it's backed against the wall. It was, it was weird. It was weird. But... Let's let's look at the man himself then, because I think Forest Green started off very very physical. I think some of their um, off the ball antics, particularly with Shaw Tire, but Chung was getting it as well. There was a lot of pushing and pulling going on. You could see before the punch um, that there was a lot of pushing and pulling. I think there's a photo knocking around as well of of Rico Santos sat there for a corner where the the Forest Green defender is clinging onto his shirt, dragging yeah. down. I don't know what it looks like a Pablo Picasso painting that he's just melting into the floor. Um, it was it, there was a lot going on. Um, not excusing the punch, no chance because he's banged to rights there. You, sh you shouldn't you shouldn't react. Um, but the it was clearly it was clearly weighing on his mind. He was getting a lot of grumbles, if not booze as well during the game. Um, didn't get booed at half-time, I noticed, although that might have got mixed in with the officials. Yeah. Uh, but I thought, he, he clearly, he had a poor second half in particular. Nothing was, was going right for him at all. When he came off, fourth official puts the board up, the cheer goes up when his number comes up. Yeah. Then when he runs off, a good number of fans, more than half, were booing, I would yeah. have said. Now, where do you stand on that? Well, I think, when he was making the subs, and I, I thought if if it's Kachunga going off, he's going to get some dog's abuse, and he he did. And I think 
Personally, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't agree with booing your own players. You know, I think at the time, being in the crowd, there was a lot of confusion anyway. A lot of people just assumed that Kachunga actually didn't say anything to the, the linesman or the ref and just let Charles get sent off. So I think people were annoyed by that. Um, obviously, it was a difficult game for Kachunga anyway, especially after Charles got sent off because not, he's not a... You know, he, he'll get the ball and he'll try and win a free kick here and there, but it's not his game to be... Uh, you know, someone who runs with a ball or runs into, you know, like Connor Bradley was great at it. He would get the ball, just head down and run, and it suddenly gained us a lot of, um, you know, a lot of distance and up the pitch. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, in terms of actually booing and cheering and getting, you know, I, I don't agree with it. I think it's, yeah, we're all frustrated with Kachunga at the moment because we expect a bit more, even though he has got five assists this season, which I'm sure, um, Everyone was surprised when we saw that, but like, uh, yeah, it's just it's not quite happening for him. I don't know. Do you, do you think from here it it's can you see him turning it back around? I mean, Wilbraham, you know, he was getting booed, and then he's suddenly a hero. You know, is it will it take a big goal to get him in the good books, or do you think he's he's past that? Oh, Kachunga popping up in the last minute of the semi final to send Wanderers to Wembley would be lovely. I'd love to write that story back. I think it's difficult because Bolton, as we know, and I'm sure we will discuss, are in the market for a couple of strikers now. So by the time Kachunga has served out a suspension, which we assume is just going to be a straightforward transfer and a three-match onto him, he could well be down the list. And for for all the for all the protection that Ian Everett gives him and, and the and and the explanation as to what other stuff he does for the team, it's not just about goals. Um, he does putting yards and, and works that press really, really well. Uh, that's indisputable, but it's just not easy to measure. It's not as easy to measure as you've scored X goals or you've done X assists, etc., etc., etc. So a, a lot of it involves you having watched it in a certain amount of detail. I think if you're going to, if you're going to kind of praise what Kachunga's done, if you, if you judging him purely on being a striker, he's not done a great job. There's no question. Um, so by the time he gets back, other than the Papa John's, where currently options are quite low for Bolton, he's not going to have many chances, I don't think. And mm. he's out of contract in the summer. So I do think that that's, it was a ter terrible bit of timing for him. I think he's let himself down in, in many, many respects. And so uh, I don't see it being a particularly happy ending for his Bolton career. I, I would love, as I said at the top there, Hey, you go and score that uh, winning goal at Wembley, or whatever it might be, and and that would be a, a lovely, um, lovely redemption arc. And uh, I'd like to write that one back, but I, I, I personally, I, I think it's it's a very difficult one now because a lot of fans have made their minds up on him. A lot of fans have made their minds up on him. Full stop. I don't think there's a great deal that Kachunga could have done in the the back end of this season to to change people's minds that he's been a bit of a dud signing. Um, it, it's a shame. But some players just never ever win it back. That's that's the the cold hard truth of football. Yeah, you know, you think of like uh, Liam Feeney, never, you know, Prattley, people. Yeah, Prattley. Um, yeah, there's there's been tons for Bolton, and yeah, it's uh, it's a shame. But um, you know, I think the other night was a it was a big night for Kachunga, and I thought playing up front. Uh, against bottom of the league, I was I started. I was desperate for him to score, and I was later on in the game. But um, you know, and and I I definitely you know I didn't boo him. I didn't cheer him coming off. I, I didn't you know. But it's yeah, it's got to that point now where, and I think you're right. I think three games out, uh, whoever comes back in, whether it be on Lundaloo, whether it be another sign or whatever, if they start scoring, suddenly it, it's. It has that negative effect on Kachunga as well because people are still looking and going, "Well, what do you do?" Um, but then again, he's as I said, he's got five assists, so uh, he does he does some it. Yeah, I th I'm going to say it. I think Bolton fans are better than booing their own players off. I have to say, I, I thought, yeah. that the, especially on the night because really, and that's that's the the weird thing is we're talking about the reaction to Kachunga, but actually, the atmosphere was so supportive for the team in general. Yeah, that there was that kind of dichotomy that that Ian Everett came out and, and said it straight away. It's like that that was exactly what I want because it was it was they were on the same page. And sometimes you can feel, particularly 
with the kind of the slow build up or the you know Ebert ball sometimes you can feel around you that certain elements of the crowd they just don't get it it's a bit it feels a little bit off kilter with what the fans want and what they're seeing on the pitch sometimes but actually they they got it everybody was everybody was kind of in it together in that second half and uh, it was only it was only really when Kachunga went off that I kind of raised an eyebrow and just thought, "Ooh, I don't like this." Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree with that. But on the crowd, I think, um, yeah, I think it's it's funny, isn't it? Because we say uh, again, bottom of the league, you a lot of people were turning up thinking Bolton are going to walk this. Um, so for so early on for him to be backed against the wall, uh, yeah, the fans did understand it and they did they think, no, we've got to get them over the line because. I was expecting uh, a one-one, and I, purely because we were time wasting a bit, and we've had that against us, and we all know what happens when it's happens against us. There's always a last-minute goal for Bolton, so I was expecting right, we, you know, a bit of karma, but no, they they stood firm. So yeah, I think that was it. It was a shame because that was the only sort of uh, you know dark point on the 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 crowd. Um, you know, and I, and I think the the crowd could sense that would, there was an injustice. Uh, so then got behind the team, but then as a result of that, thought, well, Kachunga, it was your fault. So um, you know, it's it's yeah, we're going to make our feelings known to you. Well, we're going to just tackle the derby game because that was Saturday, of course, two uh, one in the end. It did not feel like a two one game. Um, Ian Everett said afterwards that, that derby they were not miles off derby. And I, I, he's, he'd watched it back a couple of times at that point in time. I've gone back and look at, looked at extended highlights of it as well. And, and I, I think he's probably got a point that there wasn't a lot of goalmouth action. It wasn't like James Trafford was pulling off worldy after worldy or, or they were particularly stretched and getting named behind Bolton a lot. But it just felt, and it felt that a lot last season, that Derby had the, the formula, if you know what I mean, they were winning the 50-50s. They were looking more mm. aggressive. They seemed to be quicker to each each ball and, and just sharper in general. And I felt that quite a bit last season where you just knew after a certain amount of time that Bolt were not going to win this game. And it's the first time for a while I felt like that with Derby. And, and that's the only issue I'd take with what Everett said about the, the sort of the comparison between the two, two teams is that I just felt they felt more streetwise and they've got some good. They've spent money, and they've got some good players, and there's a reason for that. But considering the the, the proximity in the league between the two clubs, that's that's what worried me more. Is that that top end, which I now probably include Derby in, is just looking a step too far for Bolton, and that leaves them in with very little room for error. Yeah, I guess it now means that we've got two spaces to fill in the playoffs. And uh, yeah, like you said, a few of bad results and you go out of it and there's not many events to catch up. But, um, you know, I watched the second half and uh, I listened to the first half on the radio with Jacko and I watched the second half. And uh, yeah, I, I just feel, I just thought it was an off day. You know, the match finished and even at 2-0, I weren't, Annoyed, I weren't upset. I just thought, you know what, it's an off day. I think we've shown we've shown enough, um, especially in the last few weeks of how we play against the teams at the top end, and we've we've done very well. And I just felt, yeah, they, yeah, they were winning the fifty fifties, but I just thought passes were going astray. Um, you know, it weren't quite sticking to the strikers. Of all, and Lundaloo, by all accounts, had a good first half, but and I thought Shortire did well for five minutes when he came on and then he got the second goal and it kind of mm. killed that a bit but I thought for me I, I don't think I think Ian Everett's right I don't think we were a, mi- a million miles off but I also don't think Derby got out of third gear mm. you know I, I don't think they needed to they got the goals at good times and then that was it and Bolton you could tell the effort was there they didn't they didn't down tools which is good but um, yeah it's just like passes were just going out of play and and stuff like that. I thought, sadly, it took his goal very well, uh, actually. And credit to Dion Charles for, for, you know, doing what Dion Charles does and not giving up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, for me, it was it was just one of those days. Um, and I think it just symbolised that, yeah, I think you're right. I think Derby, even though we're only three points off them, I think they will find a way to push up the table. And uh, I, if I was... Ipswich and Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday, I would be worried. 
Um, and that, yeah, I don't think they worried about us. Uh, maybe when we played them, they'd be worried, but not over the rest of the season. Well, we shall see. We shall see. This is a news podcast. I promise you. I assure you. So give me some headlines, Henry. <laughs> Right, last week of a transfer deadline, uh, until the transfer deadline, so it's all about players we're potentially bringing in. Um, well, let's start with uh, one that you did an article about uh, yesterday, today, as we record on Thursday. Um, and you've mentioned Tom Eaves. He, he was mentioned at the start of the window and he got injured, but now he's back fit. Could, could it happen? Could we bring Tom Eaves back? Well, there's been a development on it, and that's all I'll say, is, is that Bolton looked to have sniffed around him around him at the start of the month. He picked up a quite a minor hamstring injury, but he was going to keep him out for two or three weeks. So we pretty much put a pin in that one and, and I, I wouldn't I wasn't expecting to see much more about Tom Eaves, but I I gather that Tom Eaves on the back of them signing Jordan Hugel has now returned to training. He's pushed forward. He's got a back ahead of schedule. He's he's back in training at the tail end of this week, and then the start of next week, he's back in full training, um, with a view to showing teams that had looked at him earlier in the month to, to well, here, here I am, you know, come and get me. Um, so it gives Bolton that option, and, and, you know, looking around, they've got other options. They've There are other strikers, there are other targets, but I wouldn't say 100% no. I, I'm not sure there's been a, a great positive reaction to it. His goal-scoring record certainly recently, has been pretty poor. Uh, he's had injury issues as well. But I think he had that purple patch as a Gillingham player and certainly in his start of his whole career as well where he showed he is a good player at this level. So uh, I would say never say never with that one. I'd just keep an eye on it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's. I, I, I think um, there were a few people who were a bit underwhelmed when his name got mentioned at the start of the window. But I think... You know, you've you've got to think that um, is Tom Eaves a signing that's going to be here for you know it's four or five years probably not. So it is like a you know it's a, a signing for now, and we do need a striker. We need someone who's got experience at this level or or above, who can score goals at this level or above, and he can do that. So um, so yeah, I think it's uh, for him. It might be nice coming back because he didn't really do much when he was here. So it might be nice coming back and. Uh, you know, getting some goals. But um, it's, I mean, all I'm concerned about at the moment is that we are very much awaiting um, a striker coming in. So it's nice that these names are being linked because if there were no one, then I'd be a bit worried. No, it looks like it's going to be fairly busy uh, the last few days of this transfer window. Give us another headline. Well, speaking of which, uh, Victor Adibejo from uh, Burton. Um his name's been mentioned all week, linked with Wigan and now linked with us, amongst others. Um, what do you think? And bear in mind, bear in mind, we have got a history of this podcast of either saying something isn't happening or something uh, definitely uh, <laughs> will happen. And then by the end of the day, uh, before this podcast goes out, we're proved wrong. So, uh, Mark, be careful. But what about this one? It's all about deadlines, isn't it? That's that's the problem. When you say something's not going to happen today and then it shifts, it's it's a long time between now and about 10 o'clock at night when I'm going to be editing this podcast. Um, I would say, judging by the fact that the players' agents were there on Tuesday night, I would say there's a strong chance of this happening, if not straight after this podcast happens, but uh, certainly before the weekend, if I were to put my 50p on any deal being done it would be this one and so Bolton as things stand we're still waiting for confirmation on Dion Charles being available for the weekend but that's pretty much the only striker they're going to have available Alundalu's out injured uh, you've got uh, Shortai that could play there Sadia could play there at a push but Bob Varson's out of course Kachunga is going to be suspended uh, so there's not too many too many options at the moment um, so I think they are rushing to try and get one over the line. Adebayo would be the one that I would I would look at. He's scored 13 goals for Burton this season. 
which is a bit of a surprise, I think, even for the people at Burton, maybe even for Victor himself. It, it had a, a relatively solid career at that point in time, played quite a bit for Barnsley at this level in a very decent team. Um, I wouldn't say he's necessarily the most prolific person, although obviously this season has been a purple patch for him. Um, but uh, but an interesting one, I think. He, he looks maybe to have a little bit more kind of pace and power about him, and, and they're, they're after a, a very different type of player at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, they are, and I think um, you know it's a it's a signing that I think he's again he's 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 in this purple patch, and he's he's scored a lot of goals this season. Uh, and I know last season there was a lot of calls for Cole Stockton to play uh, to be signed, and now he's not really scored this season. So it's it's a bit of a gamble because as we've seen before, these players can have a really good starts to the season and then move clubs and it just fall off a cliff. But, um, but yeah, you know, he's, he's a, it's he, just an exciting name. It's an exciting person, someone different. And I think I had a look at some of his goals there on YouTube the other day and he, he did different type of goals. It's like on Lundaloo. Mm. I think sometimes, you know, we get the ball and then Charles sometimes is, um, you know, he does this, um, you know, you get the ball about eight yards out and they're just looking for that extra touch or that, you know, to pass it to someone. When these lads who, uh, and Lundaloo and this, you know, other lad who could come in, just look to shoot and get the ball in, you know, and, and um, so that is the type of player we need, I think. So if he goes through, great. But, you know, as we discussed off air, you never, um, especially when someone's been linked with Wigan, suddenly Bolton's name popping up. Um, you do, uh, you do, you do maybe question a few things about that. But uh, if, he's, if he's at the ground, then it must be true. I've got I, I, look. I mean, I don't personally with agents. Um, you know, everybody's got their job to do. They've got to look out for their client. They've got to go with the boss, best deal humanly possible. But I, I do see these telltale signs sometimes where where teams that are looking for a striker. I think Millwall were chucked in earlier in the week. Everybody knows kind of roughly what sort of position each team is looking for because it tends to come out in the press in the weeks leading up to it. So when you start seeing teams being clustered and thrown together, it makes me just feel like it's being done for a reason, maybe to hurry a deal up, maybe to improve a deal that's on the table. We're reading, uh, I think Al Nixon put a story out saying that Wigan had actually uh, agreed the fee for Burton, but were struggling on personal terms. Maybe maybe there's an ulterior motive in trying to, to link other other clubs with it as well. I, it's it's a murky, mucky business, isn't mm. it? Transfer, uh, transfer rumours, transfer, transfer stories. Um, but ultimately, is a is he is a youngish lad still? I think he's twenty five. I think, um, yeah, twenty five. Just checking there. Um, but he's got a decent pedigree. I think he started off Arsenal. He's it's, it's just he's a he's a player that until this season has not caught fire in front of goal, and it really depends on what uh, Ian Everton and Chris Markham have, have seen in him as to whether or not they think they can get those goals out of him again or more more goals out of him because as Ian says quite regularly he hasn't played in my team yet whenever you bring up anybody that uh, maybe hasn't had a great goal and scoring record I, he hasn't played in my team yet now I will say I did do that with Kachunga he still hasn't yeah. had a great goal and scoring record <laughs> but um, you know Dion Charles has had a very pe- patchy sort of record you know Bod Varsen had had a couple of really barren seasons and he's done pretty well here Bakayoko had had one or two decent seasons, but many, many, uh, many bad ones. So, I think he's right. I think Bond create lots of chances, and um, it's it's there for somebody somebody to come in and, and start putting them away. Really, Dion's got thirteen this season, but without Baco, without Afalayan, they're lacking, and without Bob Varson as well, they're lacking somebody who can really kind of get hang your hat on at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right, let's just a uh, uh, last one on deadlines and transfer deadlines. Um, and it's someone going out, you know, a name that we haven't really spoke about this month, but Lloyd Isgrove, uh, the forgotten man, really. Um, but uh, apparently Bolton are going to make a call on Lloyd Isgrove before deadline day. I mean, what? how do you see this one going? Where is he in his... Uh, is he still injured? What's, what's the deal with it? No, he's fit. He's fit and he's training as well. Um, but his lack of involvement is obviously 
prompted a few questions as to where he stands at uh, Wanderers. Now, the problem he's got, I think, is that Kieran Sadlier has gone from being a player you would have tipped to go out the door in January to almost seeming to be a good substitute because he can play in so many different areas. He's done quite well on the left. He's could play on the right-hand side as well. So he can tick a lot of boxes by just having him there. He can also play, of course, in any of the front positions. So Isgrove has become a little bit of a spare part in that respect. I think he's probably still only suitable to play at right wing back and Connor Bradley has had that position nailed down without any question and, and no no doubt in my mind that that's the right way to do as well he was brilliant again on Tuesday night by the way um, so it's difficult for, for Izzy and there isn't a single Bolton fan that would not uh, wish him well but I just don't see where he gets back in at the minute he's out of contract in the summer he's on the back of two really big injuries and needs football because if he sits there without the football, it can be a, a very lonely and difficult existence for a footballer. And, and, and you know, he's at a time in his career as well where he actually does need to be playing. Um, you know, he could very quickly be a forgotten man. So I, I, I do wonder whether or not he's going to be, if anybody, uh, the one that uh, that that goes. Um, Declan John, of course, we've been forecasting that one for a while, yet he appears on the bench on Tuesday night against all odds. So who knows? Maybe there's been some sort of um, reconciliation there, but I still would not be surprised at all to see him go before the, the deadline's out. Um, but yeah, interesting times. What, I mean, obviously, Izzy's got a special place in your heart and a special place on your wall. Yeah, he, he once uh, signed a, a Baltimore under sock outside the club shop for me. But um, uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, I mean, Isgrove will always be remembered as part of that League Two team and he, he scored some important goals at Salford and Crawley and uh, and yeah, we, um, you know, we loved him. But the the thing is, he's not been playing for about a year now, apart from, I think it was Tranmere and Accrington, he, he played earlier in the season and then got injured again. And, and this is the thing, I think, you know, as good as he is, and I thought he was good in those games where he, he, he did play, you, if he's going to continue with injuries, then we can't really afford to just keep him around. But a fit is Grove, I would definitely have been. I think he contributes a lot. Um, so whether they decide to send him out on loan, for example, and uh, see if he can get a few months somewhere else before coming back in the summer, uh, or whether it's a permanent deal, I'm not sure. But um, it's an interesting one. The name has sort of come out of nowhere. Mm, yeah. Another name out of nowhere, by the way, is uh, Alfie Devine at Spurs, which, I mean, I, I haven't done a headline on it, so it seems a bit weird chucking it in in this part. part of time. It's just, just occurred to me. Um, yeah, there was a, there's been a couple of links with him, and, and I feel like he's he's a little bit like a a southern version of Shola Shortire, really. Kind of a, a linking midfielder, a very exciting young man. What would you think to another attacking midfielder? Um, I don't another know. Another lone I, attacking midfielder, I might Yeah. I, I, well, at the moment, my main concern is let's get strikers in. So if if we don't get any in and just bring another attacking midfielder in, I'd be a bit worried. But yeah, he's a good player and he would he'd add a lot to the team. But... I don't know. I just think are we have we got too many of those players? Um, but then again, you know, we'll yeah, we'll have to see. Maybe he's coming in as a as a so they can swap him and Shortire around every now and again. But uh, yeah, I think personally, I think we've got other positions we need to fill first. But he's a, he's a good player. Tuesday night has taught me that don't need strikers. You can yeah. very easily play uh, a, a, a 10, 10 0 0 formation and still win games. Give us another headline then. Uh, well, this is uh, off the. This is straight away. This is happening now as we're recording. Uh, I don't even think you know this yet, but I've just spotted on Twitter, Mark, that the uh, the Accrington Stanley away tickets for the Papa John's Trophy have sold out in seven minutes. Seven so, minutes, my word. Seven minutes. 2,600 have all gone. Um, obviously a lot of people i tell you what we'll, uh, going off what people are saying on Twitter let's have this chat now a lot of people and we've spoke about it before are upset because uh, they feel there should be a point system you know a lot of people have boycotted the Papa John's until now um, you know you, so you've got people who perhaps have been to every game so far who aren't going to Accrington um, 
just straight away now? What do you think? Would would that be something you'd uh, you'd like to see, or do you think it's fair game? Season tickets should get priority whenever. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. Um, I think the problem they've got at the minute is that Bolton's fan base is, is far bigger than the division they're in. And it's not uncommon, I'm sure, that Sunderland's and the Derby's and the Sheffield United's and the Sheffield Wednesday's that have played down here and done this are, are all experiencing those same sorts of problems, is that you're getting allocations of 2,500 Aki, and that's actually one of the bigger ones. I mean, you're talking Fleetwoods and Cheltenham's where you get a lot less than that, and it becomes problematic. This one was always going to be a hot ticket, and... Um, I think there's a, an extended debate to be had about uh, about whether or not people are coming <laughs> coming back from a competition they've uh, they've previously boycotted. But yeah, um, I can understand the frustration, but it's been forever thus. There's there's always there's always had to be some line drawn as to you know how how they sort this thing out. Um, I feel for those people that haven't got tickets. I also feel that many of them will end up being in the ground anyway because having been to Aki a few times with Bolton it feels like sometimes they've got four fifths of the ground rather than a half of the ground uh, they, they find their way by hook or by crook um, and uh, you know if if all else fails then you've got Match Day Live to, to watch by the way or you can listen to Derek on iPhone Yeah true um, and to be fair you know I have obviously you know I, I've discussed before I tend to work uh, weekday Evening, so I don't have a season ticket. Um, and that's your I, fault, and you don't get a ticket, ha? Yeah, yeah, but I, I fully expect, and I, I thought with this game, I thought there's no way I'm, I'm going, I'm glad it's on Sky. But, um, you know, I, I would say for a lot of people who are saying, well, those who haven't gone to games, I'd go, well, to be fair, the majority of those have probably paid on iFollow, mm. which is actually more expensive than the ticket for a Papa John's. Point, so, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it is what it is. I think let's just celebrate the fact that we yeah, Bolton Wanderers are showing once again that they're massive wherever they go. If it wasn't on Sky, I think you're right. I, I think everybody's going to get to watch it, aren't they? They're going to get to go and watch it at the pub. Go to, everybody's going to enjoy the semi final one way or another. Those that people, those people that have got tickets, congratulations to you. You know, I think it's they'll be going. Uh, it's all. It was always going to be the hottest ticket in town. It's going to be a great night. I think. It is, yeah, and uh, let's hope Accrington beat Leeds at the weekend, and uh, then they've got their minds set on a massive FA Cup game instead. Um, uh, right, moving on to uh, you know the actual no no transfers, no tickets, the actual players. Uh, Short I played. He had a he uh, had his full debut on Tuesday, uh, so we've seen. Probably a full game's worth of him because he came off, didn't he, as sub and came on against Derby. Uh, what do you think so far? I can see why Ian Everett was interested in bringing him in because he he definitely is something different. And at 18 years old, you don't want to put too much pressure on him, but he seems to me to be a kind of an alternative to Kieran Lee. Obviously, we know Kieran Lee can only play a certain number of games, um, it, at his very best, I think he's fantastic. He's still Bolton's best player, but occasionally, and I think Saturday was one case in point that he just didn't didn't get on the game at all, and and you know maybe it was just a little bit physically a bit too far. So I think having short tire there gives them that different dimension. It impressed me the way he was taking the ball. He was taking the ball under some real sort of heavy pressure as well from the, the defenders. Um, linking up really well. I think he seems, from the limited amount we've seen so far, he seems to be on the same page as Connor Bradley, which is really exciting. Seems to bring something different out of Connor Bradley. It, I, he played one pass that absolutely cut out sort of three or four different defenders, and I don't think there was a player on the pitch that could have played that that pass no. at the time. It was a really like how where did that come from type of moment. So I'm hoping for more of that, and and it'd be great. I mean, like I say, he's 18 years old. You're careful to say he's, you know, he's going to be the absolute hero every single week because at that age it's almost impossible. Very rarely do you get that. Um, but I hope he enjoys it. I hope I hope that 
the excitement that Ian Everett was talking about when he had that kind of little hint at the start of the month about I'm going to sign an exciting player. I hope that uh, that does come true and that he can be one of those guys that you enjoy watching. We've lost one, of course, in Dapo and hopefully we've found one in, in Shola. Yeah, exactly. And I thought what I liked about him is that he does, um, you know, I think sometimes midfielders in at this level can get the ball back to goal and they panic and just pass it. It's easy now because the defenders can play football. It's easy that they, you just pass it back to a defender. Whereas Shortire, he's, he's looking around, he knows who's around him. He's put, like He's always on the attacking, you know, he's looking to attack, which was great. And he was a shame the other night because I thought he started really well. Uh, and then obviously after the second sending off, he, his game had to change, and it was probably something he wasn't used to. But um, you know, but he, he, I thought he did well. I thought yeah, he, he worked he, hard. Yeah, he worked very hard. So yeah, I'm excited to see what happens when we've got eleven on the pitch for a full game. Um, this is an interesting story that's come out this week, uh, and apparently Bakayoko saved a fan's life. Was it a cruel way? <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was. Um, yes. Bakayoko saved my life. It was a bit of a tabloid headline. Um, yeah, basically, I got contacted by uh, a Bolton fan called Andrew Carr. Um, and he said, I don't know if this is any interest to you, Mark, but uh, Bakayoko's coming back on Tuesday night. He's obviously signed for Forest Green. And uh, he said last season, when he scored that late goal against Crew at Gresty Road, he said, I, I celebrating the goal, as you do, and, and I got a real bad pain in my chest and I kind of told myself I've got to get that looked at so he went to the doctors a couple of days later had a scan and they ended up finding um, a cancerous tumour on his kidney which he wasn't obviously expecting um, I'm thankful to say that Andy is uh, still uh, still a still with us he's still able to, to share that email with us and he's still watching Wanderers um, and so far, so good. Everything has, has been cleared and uh, and it's been able to be removed, which is fantastic news. Um, but I was really happy that he shared that one with me because it was a, a cracking tale. It's nice to have those positive things sometimes to write about as a journalist because it's very easy. You get a lot of negative stuff. It's easy to find the negative stuff and people are very quick to complain, but very or a lot less often you get people step forward and give you those um, those really nice heartwarming stories, um, and it was it was a good one. And 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 Backer, he got a great round of applause. I thought when uh, his, his name got read out before the game on Tuesday night, no Bolton fan will ever forget those late goals he scored. So uh, he will be uh, a cult hero forevermore for for more reasons than one. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was nice. It was nice hearing his name. Uh, you know, when his name got read out, you know, he got a round of applause, didn't he? So. That was nice on uh, Tuesday. Um, right, and Dan Lunderloos, who's coming to replace Backer, but um, we've seen him and we're not going to see him again for a few weeks. He's injured. Yeah, sod's law. I think um, after the game on Saturday against Derby, he actually did come out and, and talk to us and we had a, a good chat. Um, he was talking about his future and next summer and that will be a story winging its way to you. Probably next week. Now, I don't want to... There's no point putting it out now because he's not playing at the moment. But um, he was. He came across really, really well. Took, spoke, a, a, you know, a length about his, his time with, with Ch- Cheltenham and, and Lincoln and uh, and how it's kind of got him to this point. Um, he's really, really looking forward to making an impact at Bolton. But, unfortunately, he's, he's damaged his hamstring. It's going to be two or three weeks. And that's a big shame, really, because... He, he, he'd he actually been signed as a player who could hit the ground running because, of course, he'd been playing at Cheltenham for half a season. He'd been playing every single week. And this timing, maybe just the, the, the little kind of tweak he had to make to his game to play for Bolton as a number nine and do the extra work has maybe just pushed him a little bit over the edge. And uh, I mean, it's, it is a shame because I think he was good uh, first half against Derby. Yeah, um, and there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot to be I think, excited about. And I was looking forward to seeing him on Tuesday. I know Ian Everett had said after the game that he was a bit disappointed with his fitness and that needed to uh, to get better. But yeah, it's, it's a shame that he's now injured for a few weeks, especially in this situation, because we do need a striker. But um, yeah, I, I, I wonder, I mean, do you think that, I don't know, we've, we've brought him in 
And this, I, I know we always said they wanted another striker, and we do need one now. But Varson's injured, which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, but do you think maybe they've looked at him and gone, it's not quite the fitness isn't quite there, it's not quite what we expected, so let's bring another striker in, or, or do you think they're going to do anyway? I mean, certainly the, that question has been asked, and, and they said, you know, we were always going to do this, we've always. Uh, there's always been a contingency plan that one of the strikers would get injured, i.e. Bodvarsson, um, and so they wanted to make sure they were well stocked. But I do sometimes, yeah, I, I, I think sometimes managers say that for reasons best known to themselves. And or I, I would be surprised if they were banking at this stage of the game to still be looking for two strikers. Um, so... And that's you know apparently what Ian Ever is is after. It could well be two strikers and more than that if the divine rumor is anything to uh, to go by. So yeah, I think it's it'll be very interesting. It'll be very interesting to see what he does and where it leaves Kachunga, where it leaves and Lundlu in the pecking order after all that. Because we've gone from having a, a decent attacking roster, I would have said at the start of the season and and up to Christmas to suddenly being really concerned about that. And the, the pecking order can change very, very quickly, can't it? So I think Dion, at the minute, has got his, his nose out in front. He's doing well. He's scoring goals. And it's who plays alongside him. But that can change very quickly. It can. And uh, just a quick one on Bod Varsen. Uh, he's obviously injured for the season. But he has had his injury. Apparently, was a, uh, sorry, he has had his operation on his injury. Apparently, it was a success. So... Uh, I mean, is there a chance maybe he could come back with a few games to go, get the winner at Wembley? Oh, well, that's the dream, isn't it? The uh, the Icelandic thunderclap after uh, Wembley Stadium. Yes, that would be lovely. Um, I mean, he'll be doing everything he can do to, to, to get back, I'm sure. But I wouldn't like to say at this minute in time, um, there's an outside shot, I would have said outside shot and uh I, I would just say you know if, if you are listening Jan um we do wish you the best because I, I I really was gutted that the ankle injury turned out to be as bad as it was and and to be back in form because it had been such a fragmented season for him so yeah hopefully hopefully fingers crossed and we've we've already seen once this season that, that George Thomason has, has kind of gone from you're out for the season to oh actually might not be that bad so Hopefully the same thing can happen for Bod Varson. It'd be great to see him back at Wembley, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Uh, but, uh, hey, we'll take anyone. We'll take anyone getting the winner at Wembley. Uh, we'll take getting to Wembley yeah, for just, a start. I, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself there as if that's a, a given. I've got, still got to go to uh, the Wembley of the North, which is, of course, the Wham Stadium. <laughs> of course. <laughs> the mini Wembley. Um, OK, well, let's have a little bit of uh, email then. Is that Philip Moresh? Emails, actually. The Phil Moresh postbag is in full operation. And do you know what? I've been putting off these couple of emails for a couple of weeks. So let's just get them. Let's get them done. Let's get them done. Um, I, I will just say uh, before, um, before I do the first one is... Somebody sent in an email. It was Josh that sent in an email with an Owen Toll song to the sound of Spandau Ballet's Gold. And he asked us to sing it on the podcast. I'm not going to do that because my listening figures are doing pretty well at the minute. And the last thing we need is a duet from me and Henry. We'll save that for the Christmas number one, mm-hmm. um, which uh, which is coming up. But um, yes, I, I, it was, it's a perfectly good song. Maybe I'll stick it out on social media at some stage, Josh. Um, right, but we will go on to Anton's um, Anton's email. Uh, he says, I've been really enjoying every single podcast. Thanks for the efforts. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the following? For the past couple of years, I can't get the concept of an 1888 Football League Founders Cup out of my head. And why the FA hasn't put this together or why the 12 founding clubs hasn't done this among themselves. I fully appreciate there's loads of fixtures during the season from league to various cups. However, the Founders Cup can be held as part of the pre-season build-up. All of the 12 clubs, including BWFC, are from the Midlands and the Northwest, so travel wouldn't be too crazy. The fans and teams, uh, and it would, for the fans and teams rather, and it would generate great preseason excitement and bragging rights. The main aspect for me was to highlight the legacy and heritage of the founding members, some of whom 
have gone through tough times. There wouldn't be the need to qualify as the same teams would be in it because there are 12 teams, maybe four groups of three. Group winners get a place in the semis. The finalists would only play four times. I'm trying to do some research, do some old contacts with the FA with the aim of finding the right person to pitch this and get a list of the red, uh, relevant founding member club reps to approach in one go. Perhaps you can help me. Or tell me it's a silly idea, says Anton. So, what do you reckon, Henry? Another competition pre-season? Uh, it'll be fun, yeah. I've just Googled uh, the entire list. Um, and there's no one on there who, uh, you know, is like uh, big enough to be in Europe and thinking, well, why would we entertain that? Um, Aston Villa and Everton are the only Premier League teams. Oh, Wolves, sorry. So uh, let's be honest, Everton are not looking too too good for next season. No, we're not. Neither are Wolves. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting concept. Maybe a knockout. And uh, well, I mean, technically, Accrington aren't the the you know it's Accrington Stanley now, not Accrington. So maybe we could have uh, we could kick them out. Mm. Um, and. I, I'm I guess Notts County aren't in the EFL, so there's 10. We've got no, 10. I say you admit Notts County. I think we kick out uh, Burnley and Everton and probably Wolves. They're going to have bigger things to do. They've got, they've got pre-season tours on. The problem with modern football in general, but top two, top two divisions and definitely the Premier League, is that sponsorship has to come into it. And they've got to do a lot of things get around a lot of places to fulfil sponsorship criteria. And t- clubs like Everton, who have had Far East involvement, uh, that kind of thing, they're going to be everywhere during pre-season. The best thing you could hope for, you get a reserve team playing in something like this. And that's that's the immediately sets you off on the wrong foot. If you're doing it, for me, I'd say get the eight teams there that probably would turn up. Um, Wanderers, I, I would imagine, be interested. Uh, a Blackburn... An Accrington, a Derby, a uh, Notts County, Stoke, Preston, you know, West Brom, maybe. Yeah. So I'd I'd say, yeah, I'd say a possibility. I'll tell you one thing. They've got um, a tournament that started last year called the Generations Cup, which was the teams from the first 10 years of the FA Cup, which had the 150th anniversary last season. And it was uh, a game. They've. They split it in two halves in groups, like North and South, and then they play the final. Uh, they played the final at Wembley, actually. Crystal Palace won it, but it's split so that the, each team is divided into age groups. You've got like three over 50s, three over 40s, three over 30s, and then three under 30s. So you get this kind of like cross generational team that you put out there, and there were some really interesting players that were out there. Some proper, um, some pro- and Wanderers have actually been invited this year as well. Um, it's, going be, it's going to be played in February. Um, I, I think they're struggling to get players together. I think they're struggling. So I hope they do manage to get a team out and so by hook or by crook, because it'll be interesting to see. Um, what is that? Former professional players, or could I put my I, name I, in? <laughs> as far as I'm aware, there is. It's a mixture of both. It's a mixture uh-huh. of both. So you could you could yet play for Bolton Wanderers, and I might add that Jack Dearden might yet get a chance to play up front and. Let's let's see how many goals he scores. Because if he doesn't score sixteen goals in his first three minutes, then all the the fluff that he's talked for the last twenty odd years is for nothing. <laughs> anyway, anyway, right, okay. Let's move on to our next, oh, our final email, our final email. Um, Mark and Henry, looking forward to seeing what transfers get over the line before deadline day. If the last few weeks have been anything to go by. Maybe you should record your podcast for next Tuesday and you'll guarantee a busy time. Things always seem to happen straight after the buff. If Andy's noticed that, then I'm I'm sure everybody is noticing that. It's ridiculous. It's like we're the conduit to all transfer activity. Um, Anyway, nowadays it seems most transfers are leaked or spoiled on social media. And I wanted to ask your thoughts on whether it makes your job harder, Mark brackets or whether Henry thinks as a Bolton fan it spoils things um, he's got a second question but just on that note do does does it we've, we've talked today about players that Bolton haven't signed does it does it take an edge off the excitement can you even remember a time where Bolton have announced a player that it hasn't actually turned up turned up um, yeah I mean I guess years ago it was different wasn't it 
you'd you would actually you know you'd hear it in the the paper or or whatever. But um, I think it's it's yes, there is some excitement when you don't know, and sometimes we've had it, especially in pre season. You know, when there's a few names being mentioned, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, I think was it. I think some of the loan, well, Connor Bradley, I think maybe that was a, no one had really been told about that. I think maybe, you know, there's a few of these loans that just seem to happen. Mm. But, um, but on the whole, I think it all adds to the excitement when there's a build up. Like this Adebayo thing, if it, you know, if it happens, there's been a build up and, you, you know, the fans are having banter on with Wigan fans online, then he signs and it's all exciting. But yeah, I, I, there is a, there is, there is excitement, I've got to say, when you see Bolton tease an announcement at five o'clock and you have no idea what it is. There is that, oh, what could this be? Whereas sometimes you know it's happening. People are saying, well, why hasn't it happened yet? And then they tease an announcement and you think, well, we know what this is. Mm. Yeah, well, Andy asks, has a signing ever actually surprised you? And I think you're right. I don't think there's, there's too many. I, I... Certainly in my job, there's, there's not many that have come completely out of left field. The one that always sticks in my mind, and it will do forever, because I think I'm right in saying that this is the 20th transfer window, January transfer window. So this is the 20 years since this whole system picked up. So, uh, I mean, there was a time, of course, that you could sign players all the way through and that the transfer yeah. speculation just kind of bubbled. But now it kind of has those two kind of peaks um, in the yeah, summer. was it March? It was the end of March, wasn't it, when the it deadline was? Yeah. I think it might have been uh, the first one. And I think, I, I might be wrong, but in fact, the very early versions of January transfer windows, Bolton signed people like Pierre, uh, Pierre, Yves Andre, and um, yeah. uh, what was his name, The Rock, uh, Florent Laville. Uh, people are there with a Salva Ballester, like the earliest, yeah. the earliest examples of uh, of January transfer deadline day deals. Um, but yeah, I mean, the one that always sticks in my mind that was like the most surprising was Andy Kellett to Manchester United. Oh, yeah. nothing will ever surprise me more than learning that 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 bit of gossip was true ever. Yeah, I remember. Uh... I, it was it it was funny because the you know with all Bolton fans it was like yeah we're, we're glad to be helping out our smaller local rivals with a, <laughs> a young set, a loan, um, but yeah there has been um, I mean to be fair and I've got to I'll say this about yourself is that you know we we've, and I've seen where signings have been announced and people have obviously on Twitter said well why didn't you say anything on the buff mark or whatever you are you. You do know about the vast, vast majority of them, uh, but you uh, you can't exactly go blurting it out like other reporters can. So uh, yeah, it's I guess for you, you do actually hear most of them. It is very, very rare that one comes completely left field. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, generally speaking, occasionally, occasionally, um, a, a name will crop up out of nowhere. But no, I mean, generally speaking, of course, these days Bolton's. Bolton's uh, transfer activity is quite deliberately planned and they're, they're, they're picking these guys out from far off. So it gives you more scope, theoretically, to tell all that backstory before they even arrive. I mean, that's the um, that's that's what that's what we do, really, is, is kind of make sure that those stories are ready for when a signing is announced, that there's the kind of the story behind the signing, how it's how it's come together, what the player's like. You get a chance to do a bit more homework uh, initially. So uh, that's that's in the process I will say at the moment and hopefully that uh, will come to fruition on deadline day as long as everything goes according to plan um, right okay time for some predictions pass us my crystal ball what's happening next week prediction time it's time to see what we think will happen at Charlton it's a 12.30pm kickoff. by the way folks let me underline that because I may well forget that. Um, I'm going down uh, with Jack to London. We're going to stay in uh, in that London and uh, get down to the valley nice and early on Saturday afternoon. See Dino, Dean Holden. Be nice to see him. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they're, they're improving under Dean Holden, aren't they? They've they've done quite well, and it's not the Charlton that were in free fall a few weeks ago. So uh, confident after Tuesday night. Um, the way I'm not confident is, you know, I think we'll have to carry some players there. 
Um, but uh, but no, I think the yeah they're, they're playing better. Of course they are, and um, he, he seems to have got them. Uh, you know, sorted out that issue because Charlton were. I mean, they they have been for a few years. They're sort of they're a big team, but they just sort of floating around mid table while the rest of us are at the top. So um, they'll be looking to make a, a late playoff push, like Portsmouth are doing. Um, and uh, and yeah, I think uh, it will be a tough game. I, I'd be very surprised if it matched the four one of last season. I've got to say. Yeah, that was a weird night, actually. I didn't think Charlton played that badly on that night, weirdly enough. They were, certainly for the first 20, 30 minutes, they were great and uh, didn't look like being quite a whitewash. But no, Dino's got them organised. He's there till the end of the season at the moment, but he's doing a really good job of, of putting a case forward for uh, a longer deal. They've got this kind of ownership issue, which is boiling away at the top as well, which may well decide whether or not he stays or he goes or whether or not new owners bring in their own people, which would be a a shame because he seems to be getting a tune out of the squad. But that said, um, I'm with you. It's all dependent really on the kind of how physically capable Bolton are now to get over Tuesday night and and get to a a longer way trip down to to London. Um, A draw looks quite tempting for me at the minute, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Rumour has it, Kyle Dempsey's warming up by jogging alongside the team coach all the way down to London, so he'll mm-hmm. be he'll be fit and available. Um, whether or not they get that striker on board, because at the moment it's Dion doing all the work up front, and, and, and I'm not sure how that one will work. So, um, who would you if if they don't sign anybody now before the game? Would would you stick with uh, Dion plus Shortire or Dion plus Sadlier maybe? It would have to be, wouldn't it? I mean, would you? I know Connor Carty scored the other day for the B team. Would you? I, I think he's probably worth a place on the bench. I think so. I think so. Again, he's he, he's uh, he's spent time out at Gateshead this season. He's he's tried to get a little bit more experience behind him. We're having this conversation the other night actually about who's coming through from the B team, and and there's nobody that's absolutely stonewall guarantee. But you do hear good things about uh, Connor Carty, Connor Stanley, Nelson. Benny, for example, Max Conway, uh, Luke Hutchinson, they're all kind of bubbling under, but they're not quite ready to, to actually punctuate the first team at the moment. So um, it'll be interesting to see see what happens with them and whether or not they commit to another year, because particularly, I think, with, with Carty, I think there's something there. And that finish against Tromier earlier in the season, you feel like you'd, you'd like to see another year of development and, and maybe loading up a bit higher up in the in the the pyramid and and getting a bit more experience behind him and then Bolton might have one of those players that are ready made rather than having to uh, to loan in from elsewhere but who knows who knows um yeah I think a, a place on the bench would be interesting for him not too many other options but of course we know what the buffs like they will have signed a, a busload of strikers by the time um, this episode <laughs> yeah. goes out so there won't be a problem um so there you go um I'm, I'm gonna press you for a prediction Henry um I think it'd be probably 1-1. I, I think we can go there and win. Um, Dion's in good form. And uh, and somebody pointed out, actually, the other night, that he he's he actually had a, a an hour's rest on, yes. on Tuesday, which is good. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think... Um, no, I think... Yeah, we'll go... We'll just be 1-1. I think uh, we'll go there, get a point and come back. What about you? Went to a piece. To a piece. I've, uh, one goal for Dion... And one for Connor Bradley. There we go. There's a more exact prediction for you. Haven't got a midweek game next week, thankfully. Um, so that could be plenty of time to recover from from Charlton and uh, the inevitable uh, club bender that Jack Dearden drags me out on in Greenwich. Um, he's a bit like that, Jack. All, all night as he's pulling these days. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Okay. Uh, I have got a message for you before we do say goodbye for this week and that is not to forget that on tuesday january the 31st it's transfer deadline day and that means all our live blogs will be up and running all day uh bringing you every single bit of news and gossip from wanderers you know the score by now it goes right the way up into the, the wee hours of the morning i'd say it would be midnight probably won't be it'll probably be two or three o'clock by the time um, I finally quit and say there's going to be no more signings. Um, I don't know, as things stand, how busy that is going to be. I hope they leave something for uh, for us to 
um, digest on the day. And uh, I'm not even writing off the idea of me and Henry nipping in for a little uh, transfer deadline day buff, to be honest. Mm. Henry, I am. We haven't quite decided whether that's going to be the case yet. We're going to see whether or not there's, there's going to be scope for it. Um, but uh, yeah, there will be, an, of course, there'll be another full episode on Friday, um, next Friday, digesting what's happened across the whole transfer window, I'm sure, plus what happened at Charlton and looking ahead to a home game against Cheltenham Town, if memory serves correctly. But until then, I've been Mark. I'm going to need a bigger biscuit barrel. Isles. And I'm Henry. Uh, I'll have a chocolate hobnob Hewitt. And this has been The Buff. <laughs>